Welcome to Disruption Now. I'm your host and moderator, Rob Richardson. With me is Mark Walker of Direct Digital Holdings. He's revolutionizing the ad tech industry. It's an honor to have him on. Always love to have innovators and entrepreneurs disrupting the world on there. Mark, how you doing, man? Good, good. How are you doing, Rob? Hey, I can't complain, man. Things are things are good. Uh, you know, it's another day. It's been uh it's and uh want to really get right into how you got into this ad tech space, I guess, as it as it is. So how did you get started in business overall? That's the first question. And then second, how did you get into this line of business? Yeah, absolutely. So um, just to start off, my, uh, my business career started off um, in the digital space back in the late 90s. Um, you know, oh, you're, you're okay. Oh, you're a veteran of the game. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, I was fresh out of college and thought I'd be retired by 25, 26 years old. I uh, decided to go work for a startup here in Houston. We uh, it was uh, it was very early on. I was you know, yeah. 13 employee and uh, ended up raised the company ended up raising about 150 million. Mm. Um, and at that time, you know, money was flowing. Money was just flowing through the rivers then. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like you got a dot com. Yeah. We'll give you money. Yeah, exactly. We got an opportunity for you. And so we were, you know, at that time, we were revolutionizing, uh, digitizing books and putting them online and thinking college students would be willing to um, pay a subscription fee for it. Needless to say, um, college students enjoyed uh, paying for pizza and beer more so than access to a digital library. Um, and it didn't, you know, unfortunately, you know, two years later, fast forward, it didn't work out. But for myself, it was a great opportunity. I ended up learning. You were a paper to... millionaire at one point, probably. You had a lot of this stock in it, were you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yep, exactly. I, I was thought, you know, the riches were coming, but it, I ended up getting different riches and experience and yeah. knowledge and know-how and also a love. Um, for the digital space. So, you know, that experience led into me learning how to work with developers, doing UX design, UI design at the very beginning. Um, also, you know, I ended up working directly doing SEM and SEO back before, yeah. um, you know, Google ruled the world. I think I was, you know, negotiating deals with Google back then, back when they had 200 employees. And, wow. Uh, and people didn't even know who Google was. It was Alta Vista and those guys. But it gave me a, a really breadth of experience of essentially what we're doing today. Um, just fast forward about 20 years later. And after that, I ended up working at um, Deloitte, um, where I did marketing and recruiting for them. And then, you know, after that, um, left there after about three years because, you know, digital was always my calling. Um, ended up working at Reliant Energy, which is a Fortune 300 company, NRG Energy which a lot of people are probably heard of. And I was running their digital sales team. Um, so I learned, managed roughly about a $50 million budget, but really got a top-down opportunity of the value chain of driving ROI and KPIs for an organization um, and understanding how to build a team and 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 really focus in on it. Um, after success there, the, the company asked me to become like an entrepreneur. Right. And gave me a couple million bucks and said, hey, go figure out new revenue streams for the company. Mm -hmm. And so... Myself and the team built up a team to do that as long along with digital and figured out all these new and creative ways to drive revenue for the company and ended up growing that side of it to about a billion dollars. Wow. Top line revenue, but didn't really get the reward for it. But yeah, that's how it usually works in corporate America. <laughs> yeah. 
Three percent raise. Thank you so much. Thank you for all your billion dollars. You get five thousand dollar raise. So or ten thousand dollars, even if it's a hundred thousand dollars, you create a billion dollars. That's a lot of money in value, right? It's like it's it's but that's why you probably went off on your own. I, I want to hammer on a couple yeah, of things that you really I think touched on that I find fascinating. So your your first experience when you went through the, the first startup life, uh people can go one of two ways when they have a startup and it quote unquote fails. Like it it didn't go the way people expected. Um, you can, you know, say this is not for me. I give up. You know, this is a, uh, you know, I'm a failure. Or they can learn from the lesson. And and when you're in that early stage, especially when you're in a new environment like you were during the dot com era, uh, there's nothing but opportunities as long as you are willing to learn from your experiences. You know, I tell I tell my I tell my sons all the times what I tell them is more. Look, you have to at this point in your life because they're all like they're just about to go to high school and college right they're in high school about to go to college and i said it's more important to value uh learning and relationships than money now that sounds crazy to them right it's like no like i need as much money as possible like i need to get i'm only gonna do something if i get paid so much right now i said you're missing out on so much because what you don't understand is you monetize (laughs) off of knowledge and relationships that's how it leads to more money you think it's the money right now Money is important for what you need at the basic level, right? But in terms yeah. of if you want to level up, learning and relationship is how you do it. And that's what you got in that early in that early period from how I view it. You know, you, you're, it's funny you say that you're spot on. And I think, you know, it, I will say, you know, it's always a twisted journey on how you get there. But you're exactly right. The relationships that and the experience that I got from that dot com really led the trajectory I'm on today. And so, um, you know, in every opportunity, um, the last point I would probably draw out is also maintaining um, those relationships through level of um, integrity and how you try to operate and function in the job and being um, and trying to build that reputation as well. And I think um, that has kind of stuck with me through this journey. And uh, to be candid with you, all the relationships I built Back in 1999, a lot of them are still intact today. And and those are the ones that have helped us through me and my business partner throughout this journey. So it's been an exciting opportunity for us and uh, feel really blessed to just be here. Okay, so let's talk about direct direct digital holdings in the company right now. What do you specialize in when it comes to, I mean, obviously it's it's, it's ads, but there's a lot of ad, I don't know if there's a lot of ad tech companies, there's a lot of people that do ads, like what makes this, I guess, what's your unique kind of position in the market in terms of how you really uh, target customers? Yeah, absolutely. I think the simplest way to uh, describe it, and you know, and I'll I'll give you a couple of approaches. Um, We help companies buy and sell media and we leverage technology to do it. And that's the most simplest form of putting it. However, we're focused on two markets, which really make us unique. One, we're focused on the middle market and helping those companies buy media um, throughout the programmatic um, you know, value chain of digital advertising. Um, and we will focus in on middle market companies, five to 500 million in top line revenue, and um, that are in you know, what I would call flyover country of America. We have salespeople and we have, um, you know, we have a lot of support in local and regional markets in Nashville, Tennessee, Knoxville, Tennessee, Colorado Springs, Houston. These are tier two, tier three media markets that- Are you in Cincinnati? 
<laughs> no, we're not yet, but we okay. will get there. All right. All right. But those are the areas that we, you know, we focus in on the buy, what we call the buy side of our business. And on the sell side of our business, uh, we focus on leading with multicultural audiences. Um, after Reliant, after Reliant or NRG Energy, I went over to Ebony and become COO. And that's really when I had the first opportunity to work with my business partner, Keith Smith, um, who we had known each other for 30 years, but um, he had made, he ran the private, he ran a private equity shop and uh, made an investment in Ebony Media. I ended up being the COO there, helping them through digital transformation. But what we saw as the opportunity was a lot of these multicultural publishers um, were being left out of the programmatic ecosystem just from size. And scale. Um, if you were below five million unique visitors, the larger, um, what they're called supply side platforms or SSPs like Magnite, Pubmatic, those are names you probably heard of. Um, they weren't willing to work with those smaller publishers. But being African American, but even more so, um, being able to see the level of engagement, the level of interaction, the level of visitors that we had, and talking to peers in the industry we knew that there was this rich audience that was completely being left out that a lot of brands and advertisers would want to reach in an authentic way in those different properties. And so that was really the genesis and the idea of, hey, we had a buy-side platform that helped small and mid-sized companies. Now, buy media and tie it to ROI, which you know directly correlated to my experience at NRG Energy. And then the sell side business where we aggregate small to mid-sized publishers and tie those in to the programmatic ecosystem, I think we can have a winning formula for a company. So we bought a fledgling $6 million, um, you know, start from scratch, $6 million huddle masses and classes were the two platforms, put them under the umbrella of direct digital. And we looked at organic and inorganic growth and acquiring and growing the business to the size that we're at today. And so at the time, it was $6 million unprofitable. We ended up cleaning up the business, streamlining the operations, and really focusing in on um, growing the business organically. Got it up to $7 million in our first year. Then we saw an opportunity to buy another buy-side platform called Orange 142 and piece it together with Huddle Masses. Um, and so we felt like we really rounded out a platform that you see today. And second year, we grew to about $30 million. Third year, we grew to 38 million. And then uh, we really had hockey stick growth last year with all the investments we had been putting in our supply side platform, Colossus, which from the very beginning, we knew that that engine of selling media, leveraging multicultural publishers and general market together was really going to be a major growth engine for us. We bought Colossus initially. It was only $17,000 of revenue this year. Looks like it's going to be about fifty-five to sixty million dollars. <laughs> wait, <laughs> wait! I want to make sure I got those numbers right, and yeah. I'll, I'll have to talk to you for advice on business execution. This is I want to make sure I got my numbers right for a minute. So, you what was the business you bought? What was the Colossus you said? Uh, and you, yeah, Colossus. And you yeah. said it was seventeen thousand dollars. That what you said? Did you say seventeen thousand? Yeah. You didn't say. A hundred thousand or something. You said seventeen thousand, right? I'm just making sure. We first bought it was seventeen thousand around. And you changed it. What's the number it went to now? <laughs> we'll be this year. We're going to be fifty-five to sixty million in top line revenue. Wow. <laughs> so what? Yeah. What was the what? What was the most important component for that growth? If you had to right. narrow it down, I'll give you two. What was the what the two most important factors for reaching that type of exponential growth? People. 
processes. Mm. People and processes. In that order. In that order. In that order. If you don't have the right people. You can't build the right processes. That's it. Plain and yeah. simple. People and processes. How does one go about choosing the right people? Right. Uh, that's, that's a yeah. That's the tough one. Uh, <laughs> <okay>. <laughs> no one said it was easy. <laughs> you know, um, what we believe in here is um, we knew that having a multicultural um, focusing on multicultural publishers, we knew that there was richness in that community. And it's the same thing we believe in and the people that we hire. We look for diversity and it's not just, you know, diversity of skin color, diversity of race, creed, sexual orientation. We look at diversity in regards to thought, ideas, all of those pieces. And so if you look at our board of directors, if you look at our leadership team, if you look at our management team, um, it looks like America. And we believe the more diverse um, group you have, when you put them in a room, you're going to get outsized performance. And that's our belief. And that's what we look for. And we look for people who are thinking creatively. We're looking for people who are thinking out of box, but we're also looking for people who have a wealth of experience and been in the space for 10 to 15 years in multiple facets. And so for us, the people that we have hired, they have not just worked, you know, for an ad tech company. They worked on the brand side. They worked on the publisher side. They worked in media planning. They worked in media buying. So then when you look at a whole value chain across the board, you're getting all of those experiences so that when it comes time to troubleshoot or create processes, you know where to look and you know where to identify the problems um, in a very short time frame. And that has helped us grow to the size that we're at today. So when I, when you think about people, at least when I think about people, I think it's also important to, to create an environment where they feel empowered. Right. And you have yeah. a culture that is that encourages innovation and that requires usually uh, divergent thought. And, and people having the ability to challenge or at least present their ideas in a way that it will be received and it won't be, uh, you know, rejected. How did, how did you, how do you want, how do you go about identifying those disruptors, uh, to pun intended, right? Uh, divergent thinkers. Is there any process for the intake that you do uh, to kind of identify someone that aligns with your values and your mindset? And and then two, what do you do at the, uh, at, at direct uh, digital to, uh, keep people engaged in, in, in the culture? Yeah, absolutely. Two things. One, um, one, the, one of the leaders that we brought in who um, ended up helping grow um, Colossus, um, you know, we, we gave her an opportunity and we said, look, if you build it, we'll put more resources behind you. Um, and that's exactly what happened. More, more it grew, the more profitable it got, the more resources we put behind to continue fueling the growth. And that's really our formula. Um, and candidly, we had to took a lot of that experience from what happened when I was at NRG, where you're given a little bit of resource, told to go figure out a problem. And then if you're successful, we'll put more, more resources behind you. It's the same formula. And I think there's nothing better for any entrepreneur, if you will, or anyone who has that spirit then, hey, I'm going to give you a safe place to fail. And then I'm also going to put resources behind you to help you succeed. And then I'm also going to be there with you to help you succeed along the way. And that's been the formula that we've used as a business and it's proven successful. So what we think we have are people who are entrepreneurs 
who are willing to work for us and who are willing to spearhead and grow a business. And we feel that. And then we look for that person who believes in diversity, believes in challenging thoughts, and who's comfortable and vulnerable enough to say, yeah, I failed, but I can figure it out. Or I don't know the answer, but I can go figure it out. And that's what we've put here in the environment we've tried to create. How we keep them engaged, they're part of the team. There's no bad idea. Um, we are a hierarchical organization, but we're pretty flat. Um, we talk all the time. We're on the phone all the time. And we're sharing thoughts and ideas. And we challenge each other and our thoughts. And um, we're willing to listen. And we're willing to learn from each other. And that's kind of the environment that we've built. So. It's been successful for us thus far, and we're hoping that um, it helps us continue to fuel our growth through 2023 and 2024. Uh, when you talk about reaching multicultural audiences, and it's 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 to me is a fact that it's not like a it's not an outlier. Like this is the this is not a, this is that this is the market. Like more and more, right? Not only in America, but the world, right? In the emerging markets, Africa. Any thought in terms of what you see as opportunities for uh, Africa and maybe even Latin America in terms of where you see trends for opportunities for, uh, you know, advertising and really engaging the customers there. Do you see growth there opportunities? And if so, like, how do you see that? Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, for right now, we're focused in on the United States and being a publicly traded company. Um, yeah. I have to disclaim right there. Um, yeah, yeah, that's right. Yes. Yeah. So. <laughs> but um, being a publicly traded company, we can't talk about future growth and all those things. But what I can say is, you know, inside the United States, there are about 40% of, based on the last census, is defined in multicultural. And the way we define multicultural is African-American, Asian-American, um, LBGTQ community, and Hispanic-American community. That represents 40% of the United States comfortably. If you look at how much media dollars is used to talk to those audiences in an authentic way, you're looking at, uh, based upon the ANA's last study, it was 2 to 5%. Um, that's, a, that's a miss. Um, from most right. businesses. And what we are out here evangelizing is, look, you know, we're not here to do the just say, hey, you need to spend money w with these audiences because it's the right thing to do. We're here to say it's good business. Exactly. And I promise you, if you spend money um, talking to 40 percent of the U.S. population, it is going to actually yield a result. So it's not this five, 10 percent that you have during good times and then you cut during tough times. It's actually your growth engine. So like our business, we we tell people that's where you should be focused. That's where you should invest. We've been investing in those communities since 2018 and it's paying off for us. And we've been able to outsize growth. Sorry about that. Uh, we've been able to outsize growth um, during that time frame, And uh, we're expecting you know to see that in the future coming up forward. Okay, a couple of uh, rapid fire questions here at the at, as we as we kind of you know wrap towards the end. Um, what do you see as the future of of, uh, of of ad tech? The future disruption of ad tech. Yeah, I think what you're seeing is um, two things: data, data, and more data. Um, I think data is going to fuel um, ad tech in the next two to five years, and I look at I look at two-year trends, right? Um, because it changes every two yeah. years. Um, I think you're looking at data is going to be the number one um, disruptor. Um, it's already here, but you're going to see even more of it. I think the acceleration of the adoption 
um, is the second piece. And what I mean by that is in regards to the acceleration of the adoption is I think COVID really put us in a unique situation where for two years, everyone sat at home for two years. Marketers were trying to figure out how do I reach those people? And even more so it turned into, wait a minute, if I don't have the capabilities to reach those people, I'm at a complete and total disadvantage. I think it feeds right into our business because local and regional advertisers were the ones who I would say got caught flat footed during that process and now are starting to make that change. Okay. So I think I think purchasing behaviors is the, you know, the consumer was by far the biggest disruptor when now all of a sudden it has become important where digital has now moved to me in the forefront. And that's the actual transition that you're starting to see today. So outside of data, the consumer was the biggest disruptor that actually occurred. And now you're seeing um, a rush to efficiency is what I call it, um, because I've been through two of these downturn cycles in the macroeconomic market that you'll see more rush to efficiency and more rush to digital in the upcoming future uh, for the next two years. So I'm quite bullish about the space right now. Okay, completely agree. This is a question that throws people off sometimes. What's an important truth you have that very few people agree with you on? Oh, wow. Um, I'll tell you, um, diversity is deliberate. Yep. So that's a... That's the ethos we live or, by here. Or the lack thereof. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you said it, not me. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I said it. I can be the disruptor. Um, diversity is deliberate. That is the uh, the truth I live by. And if you uh, if you believe in diversity and you look at your friend group on Facebook and everyone looks the same, you got to ask yourself the tougher question. Where's my blind spot? Yep. All right. Uh, you have a slogan or logo that you know, symbolizes your your philosophy and life or business, what would that be and why? Yeah. Um, the, the philosophy or the, the logo that we use here, the tagline we use here is digital marketing for everyone. And uh, we believe here, the small entrepreneur to the large corporation, digital, it should be used for every small business, multicultural publishers, um, everyone that's out there. It's a way to get into business. It's the democratization of, of business. And so if you're not in that space, um, you should space because it is just the ripe opportunity for you to grow. And that's kind of the ethos we live by here. What would you what would you say is the most important factor in your success as a leader and as a as, as a business? Having great people around me, having smarter people around me. Um, most of the people who are around me are much smarter than me. And I'm just happy to be here and uh, to learn from them. So um, people and and more so the talent level that's around, um, they're brilliant. And um, you give people the right opportunity, especially brilliant folks, they're going to do a great job. Mark Walker with Direct Digital Holdings. Great to have you on. Look forward to having you on in the future and collaborating more. Absolutely. I appreciate your time, Rob. Thank you. Thank you.